Hello and welcome to another episode of Healthy Obsession. This week I am your host, Chris, joined as always with my co-host, Hayden. Hello, hello. And uh, we finally got some, some some good news to talk about. So, oh, some yeah. actually very exciting news for me personally. Yeah, uh, buddy. We've had some cool trailers drop this week. There was a Resident Evil stream. We got Godzilla. New Star Wars announcements. It's a good week. Uh, I got I got to wake up today to that new Godzilla trailer, and that was so good. And I also, a couple days ago, got to wake up and immediately watch that Resident Evil stream. Yeah, dude. I'm as someone who's never played a Resident Evil game, which I think we've said here, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on playing this new one. Yeah, I'm kind of a, a new-ish Resident Evil convert. Because I, I got real hooked on Resident Evil 7. Because uh, I really, really dug that demo. Uh, and I loved the aesthetic they were going with. Uh, so in the run-up to Resident Evil 7 coming out, I went back and played most of the main series Resident Evils. Uh, that being said, I have played 1, 4, 5, and 6. And only half of those are good. Uh, I have not gotten around to playing two or three. Uh, I really should since there are remakes out for both of those. Uh, I played through like half of the two remake, but I should go back and do that again. Uh, but I love Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 7 is like, honest to God, maybe a top 10 game for me. Wow. I don't it's... think I knew you liked it that much. Yeah, no, I love Resident Evil 7. There, There's actually... It... Okay, so if, you, if you've done the achievement, it, it's not actually that hard, but there is an achievement in Resident Evil 7 for beating the game, I think, in under three and a half hours. And I did that on probably my fourth run through the game when I was actually trying to go for it, because I, I did play through that game a lot to get all the trophies. This was one of my first Platinums on PlayStation. I know it's, I mean, I, it's in my queue of things to play, and I think with after seeing that intro trailer and the intro gameplay the gameplay trailer i'm i got the bug now what doesn't help is that i've recently also caught the minecraft bug which (laughs) this past week has just absorbed all of my free time like i didn't stream pokemon on thursday because i wanted to play minecraft (laughs) but um i definitely think because have they said when it's coming out is it in march uh I think or, it might be May. Or was, May, was that actually. something else I saw coming out in March? <laughs> I don't remember. Double, let me double check. Because uh, I got plenty of time still to play it, or to play any of the other ones before 8 comes out. And I, I definitely think, I don't, it's one of those things where I like, I want someone to tell me, okay, which one should I play and in what order? Because duh, you could go 1 through 7, duh, obviously. But with having limited time, I don't know. I think we talked about this. I should definitely play seven since eight looks to be pretty direct sequel in terms of narrative where there will definitely be stuff from seven that'll be important to know going into eight. So I'll probably start there. Um, and I, I'll, I think I'm going to stream it. I don't know how that'll go with how little I stream, um, but we will see. Yeah, um, it comes out May 7th. May 7th. Okay. I knew so it was got, a month uh, with an M. <laughs> about three and a half months to play what you like. I, I would definitely say at the very least the prerequisites to get into eight is uh, definitely seven because it is going to be a direct sequel. And then uh, I would say just to kind of inform yourself on Resident Evil, you should play through the first one because the HD remake for Resident Evil 1 actually still holds up pretty well. Well, yeah, that, that HD remake came out not that long ago, right? Yeah, no, it was only a few years. 
Yeah. And then, then two and three just came out. Two of them are very recent. Yeah. The uh the, the HD remaster is just that for one. It's just an HD remaster and overhaul on the controls, but two and three are full from the ground up remakes. So kinda where like, there's uh, even some Final significant changes to it. Okay. So like, uh, yeah, kinda like Final Fantasy Seven. Okay. Yeah, I definitely need to find time to do that. The most important bit here from seven to eight is that it has the same protagonist, which is unusual for a Resident Evil series game to go from one game to the next with the same protagonist. Because mm-hmm. in the first one, it was Chris and Jill, and then they go to Leon. And then the second one, or second one was Leon and Claire. Third one was back to Jill. Fourth one was back to Leon. Five was Chris, and then six was kind of everybody. So, and then seven is a new protagonist entirely named Ethan Winters. Uh, and eight is still going to be Ethan. Chris features pretty heavily in eight, but you're still playing as Ethan. Okay. Yeah, I, oh, ooh, I'm I'm getting excited. I just love how every the internet just kind of went nuts for the <laughs> big goth vampire chick. <laughs> was it you I was talking to that didn't think that they were vampires? Well, yeah, I I'm not really seeing much of an indication that they are vampires, other than like I I don't know maybe hinted cannibalism, but I'm not I'm not really seeing it. Other okay. than being pale, then yeah, maybe I just bought into that too much. I just thought that with the the. I got it more from the other girls that they show. Like, I know, I think it's insects, but, like, turn it into insects, and then the comments they make about human blood, to me, was like, oh, they're vampires. But maybe that's not it. I don't know. I don't know a damn thing about Resident Evil, so you could tell me I'm wrong. You could tell me I'm right. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. Nothing to base this off of just by what a filthy casual is seen in a trailer. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's a weird thing about Resident Evil is people tend to think that, oh, Resident Evil, it's vampires. Or not, I'm sorry, not vampires. Resident Evil, it's zombies. Uh, It started as zombies, and it very quickly devolved into so much more. Yeah, I, yes. I know enough to know that. (laughs) Like, Resident Evil 4 was still kind of zombies, but it was, like, parasite zombies. And then there were some some bigger transformations. By Resident Evil 5, they started calling them uh, B.O.W.s, which uh, I think stands for bioweapons, something along those lines. Where, like, suddenly it's full-on terrorist organizations trying to take advantage of the the T-virus and become gigantic, mutated biological weapons. Um, And then Resident Evil 7 was entirely, again, its own different breed that they called the Molded, which were not zombies in the slightest. It gets weird. Yeah. So there could be vampires. There could be wolfmen. I don't fucking know. Well, they they show one in the trailer, like a giant wolf guy. And I'm like, bro, what? And 4 was definitely the start of that, which makes sense because this game actually has a very similar aesthetic to Resident Evil 4, which uh, people are assuming. We know there is a remake coming for Resident Evil 4. Uh, this just this has to be them reusing assets. From, from whatever project to the other, they're using the same assets here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and, I, and I love Leon as a character, so I kind of hope... Uh, if Chris is still going to be featured in this game and they're going for the Resident Evil 4 thing, I really hope Leon shows up because Leon is a dope character. He like So Resident Evil 4 was the moment when the, the, the series started going more towards action than horror. 
Okay. Four, I think, was the best blend of both. It was kind of the Dead Space 2 of the Resident Evil series. And it was Leon's second game. So Resident Evil 2, when you're playing as Leon, he's just a cop and he's stuck in Raccoon City. He's doing the zombie thing. Resident Evil 4, he's like gone to this remote village and suddenly he's roundhouse kicking zombies and jumping out of <laughs> church windows. It's crazy. He body slamming nuns. It, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil gets weird, and I love it for it. But that's why I love Seven so much, was because it was kind of reductive, and it went back to the basics and really turned up the horror. Because I don't know if you know this, and I might have already told you, but Seven was the first main series title that was entirely first person. Because oh, every I'll, other, I don't think I knew that. Every that other was title entirely. was either third person or it had the fixed camera angles of Resident Evil One. Yeah, but seven okay. and eight are both first-person horror games, and Ooh. the the mechanics of Resident Evil fit really well in the first-person style. Huh. That'll be interesting then if I start with seven and eight, and then go back because I, I don't know. I, I I already from what I've heard and seen, like the camera angles in one are still kind of ass. Um, but the game was made forever ago, so I I go in knowing that. But it'd yeah. be int- it'd be definitely interesting to go back to that rather than that be the first experience in the franchise that i have yeah the camera angles can be a little awkward in the first game but you'll at least have the boon that the hd remaster for that uh allows you to not be forced into the tank controls but you can actually control like a more traditional third person game oh okay there's a tank in the first one well no but like the the characters move as if you were controlling a tank so oh, like oh, they're standing God. and you need to move their body to the left so that you can walk forward and then move their body to the right so that they can walk forward. Oh, no. because like you said, it's a very old game. Yeah, that would. So that, that combined with the that combined with the fixed camera angles can be a little much. <laughs> yeah, but you won't I, have to deal with that. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> and I didn't either. It's it's a certain kind of love. It's very janky. But the remaster makes the game hold up very well. I would recommend it. And I hope you do play Resident Evil 7. Uh, yes, I, w- even, I do. I want to stream it. As much as I want to watch you, I do just want you to play it in general. Because I, yeah. I love that game. It's very good. Uh, and also, uh, in, in a similar way, um, boy, Capcom is really doing me dirty. Because, uh, well, I guess it's not really Capcom's fault. This is more of a Konami thing. But... It's it, it kind of sucks to see Resident Evil get reinvented and do so well. And meanwhile, everything that happened with Silent Hills is uh, it's never not going to sting. I see you're referencing the meme that I posted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's very true because Silent Hills was going to be Del Toro and Kojima and Junji Ito. And it, it, it could have been so good. But Konami decided they wanted to burn Kojima, uh, and uh, and now we'll we'll never get that if Konami even takes a break from making pachinko machines and decides to make an actual video game again. I was gonna say, what's the last game they've made? Something in a pachinko parlor, I can guarantee it. Oh, that's that's a damn shame. Yeah, and I. I haven't even touched a Silent Hill video game. That that would that would probably be like Resident Evil, where if Silent Hills was going to come out, I might have gone back and at least played Silent Hill 2. I was going to uh, say, aren't there only two of them? No, there, there's a lot more than that. 
There's just two mainline ones and some like spin-off ones? No, I think there's at least four mainline ones. I'm not totally sure though. There's at least three. I can tell you that. Uh and a good number of remakes and a good number of spin-offs. Huh. I I this whole time I thought there were only two Oh yeah, Silent Silent Hill three came out in 03. Oh three? <laughs> oh, holy hell yeah they're not one for the numbers game that's crazy oh yeah and silent hill 4 came out in 04 wow uh, two back to back and then and then nothing that's nuts horror games man we need more of them yeah more better and ones silent hill scares me way more than resident evil does because like resident evil can be scary and 7 is pretty scary but silent hill goes even harder in that, like, we're here to try to scare you. Yeah, isn't it a lot more psychological than anything? Yes. Yeah, if I don't, I don't fuck with that much. Silent Hill as a location in the game is itself a psychological hell, more or less. <laughs> Yay. Uh, but the uh, the other stuff we have going on this week is something else that I am I'm very personally excited for, much like Resident Evil. Is uh, just today we saw the first trailer for Godzilla vs Kong, which got moved up a couple months to March. Very excited for. Uh, unfortunately, probably not going to be able to see it in theaters since it got moved up. Uh, and hell, maybe we wouldn't have anyway. Depends on how vaccine rollout is, I guess. Because uh, even after after seeing this trailer, I'm so fucking excited it that looks I so good. <laughs> I wish I could see it in IMAX, and I never will. It looks so good. I mean. Oof! I was when I was watching. I was just like, okay, I need I need sixty six percent of this movie to be them fighting, and only one third of the human story. I know we won't get that, as we talked about previously when we yeah. were talking about the Godzilla movies. But goddamn, I just want Kong and Godzilla beating the shit out of each other. And now I wanted to ask you this because, as we just I think was it last week? I think it was, or maybe two weeks ago when we talked about this. Um, I haven't seen Kong or the second Godzilla movie. Why does the trailer make it out to be that Godzilla would be the bad guy? Yeah, uh, I don't know, and I think they're playing that up. Because uh, they, like they the did, they said in the trailer that something was riling Godzilla up that they didn't know about. So I, I think what's happening here is... Uh, so some spoilers for the end of King of the Monsters. Um, essentially, what was going on there was they had a device that replicated the bio signatures of what would be considered an alpha among the kaiju's. Uh, Godzilla and Kong, I believe, are both alphas. Uh, Ghidorah was also an alpha, and that's kind of why Godzilla and Ghidorah were fighting because uh, Ghidorah was able to command and control all the other kaiju in the movie and direct them to attack the Earth. Whereas Godzilla in that movie is framed as an ancient protector of the Earth, essentially. Uh, but he is also an alpha, and so he had to fight Ghidorah for control. So once Ghidorah is dead, Godzilla gets to take over, tell the monsters to stand down. Uh, they had a device in the movie that could replicate that, uh, and that's how they were controlling Ghidorah. Okay. Uh, but with both of those out of the picture and then Godzilla going into his slumber, they tease that uh, the other kaiju started flocking to Skull Island because that's where they could find another alpha signature. 
So I think what's going on here is now they've captured Kong specifically to get him to fight Godzilla because something's going on with Godzilla sending him on a rampage. And this is the first time in this universe that we have really seen Godzilla fuck a city up like you do in that (laughs) trailer. Yeah, Like, he uh, causes some destruction in the other movies, but it's always in combat with another monster. Here, he's going for it. He is plasma blasting some fucking skyscrapers and body slamming New York City like it's nothing. I The part in the trailer where he, where he just goes through a battleship, I was just like, okay, that's the a pretty bitchin' first scene to show with him. Is him like, oh yeah, there's a ship going through it, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and the coolest part in the whole trailer is basically when... Uh, Godzilla's laser beaming Kong and Kong just like palms the blast and then just brings oh, it back God, at his yeah. face. I was like, I kind of am pissed that they showed that in the trailer because that's probably <laughs> going to be the coolest fucking scene in the whole movie. And they put it in the trailer, which is like, oh, come on. But it was, I can't wait to see that in full context. They better not cut that scene from the movie. <laughs> Yeah, with with two uh, like such monster movie giants here, uh, and, and Grant, this is not the first time we've seen a Godzilla versus King Kong movie, because uh, there there was one other back in the old old kaiju days, uh, but with but with these two titanic creatures going at it, you really want most of the movie to just be their fight, and like you said, you know they're not gonna give it to us. Yeah, like they're building up a human story and. Again, it involves none of the previous human characters we've seen in any of these uh, MonsterVerse movies. So they're going to have to build up new characters and show their motivations. And it's probably going to be interlaced with shots of reactions to destruction. Like, sure. But I'm, I'm really there for the 20 minutes of monster fights. Yeah. When they were showing the kid and Kong, like, touching fingers, I was just like, please, I don't care. I don't want this. No. Yeah. That being said, Kong Skull Island had a surprisingly good and engaging human story that for once I didn't feel like detracted from the monster stuff going on. And part of that could be the way they have characterized Kong because he is inherently a more sympathetic character as a monster and he himself is very sympathetic to humans as creatures. So if they play that up, they could do it right and still have this be engaging because I, I think it's weird to say, but I think King Kong is a very good character, whereas Godzilla is still kind of just a slate for destruction. More anti-hero kind of thing. So the the potential is there, but my hopes are never high, you know? Yeah, I'm 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 going to the most one of the things I'm most interested to see them flesh out is this apparent like oh yeah way back when there was a war and i'm like okay i mean yes if you're gonna do (laughs) show me flashbacks of even more kaiju just fucking each other up yes yes i want yeah uh uh-huh yeah Yeah, then i better see some other kaiju fucking them up yeah i i mean you could just give me an idea of that and i i mean just give me that movie (laughs) fuck godzilla versus kong just give me them all fighting (laughs) the whole time but so like you're to your point if they're gonna throw some of that in there too to spice up the human side i don't know how that would relate but they will probably make some connection i'm i'm all for it but uh still having yet to see you know only seeing one of them i'm i'm i have that that hanging over how i 
look at what they will probably do with it as to being it's going to probably be boring as shit when they do the human side but um as we said the trailer kind of confirms what i had hoped they wouldn't do that they aren't going to do what i hope they might do if that makes sense last week was talking about uh don't jaws the damn thing and they ain't doing that it does not look like they're jaws in it no it's gonna be i bet that that ship scene is like the first 10 minutes of the movie like they're gonna start out and then they'll go human element after that you know i could i could write you what this movie's gonna like (laughs) the plot progression right now but i'm still gonna i just i need give me the fights as i will beat that drum to death monster fights Please, yeah. do them and, well. And actually, speaking of the boat, I think that's actually something really cool they're doing with this, where they're kind of reinventing King Kong's origin story in a number of ways, where obviously they're not doing uh, King Kong climbs the Empire State Building with a hostage and gets shot by prop planes. As she just uh, screams for like 30 minutes. Yeah, he's already a very, very different character that I don't necessarily want to spoil for you because you should really see Kong Skull Island. But they're taking pieces of that original narrative and weaving it in here. like Modernizing it almost. Godzilla in chains being brought to assumedly New York City is still a very King Kong narrative. But then they're mixing it up because Godzilla's got to come in and fuck shit up. <laughs> and I, I just think generally that's a really cool touch. I don't know how they get King Kong in chains because the man is huge, but they do it somehow. Yeah, that's a lot of sedative. Because <laughs> because original Kong, he was like like the size of ten men, which is like sure it's still impressive that you could capture that, but doable. But was this he guy, like he's as tall? big as Godzilla. How how do they get him in chains? To put it in uh, anime terms, isn't the original King Kong like a five meter Titan from Attack on Titan? Roughly? Pretty much, yeah. And then <laughs> Godzilla and King Kong now are like colossal sized Titans. I mean, yeah, the difference is original King Kong climbs the Empire State Building. This Kong would use the Empire State Building as a club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just looking at the, the thumbnail of the trailer that you posted, yeah, he's literally just towering over all the buildings in whatever city, if it's New York, in New York. Like, he's huge. That's probably as good a transition as any. Very excited <laughs> for Godzilla. I really hope you watch the other movies. Because uh, especially, like, the human story is whatever in King of the Monsters. But there's, like, four main kaiju in King of the Monsters, so there's tons of fighting. Super good. Uh, speaking of potential reinventions as well, uh, with EA's loss of exclusive rights to Star Wars... Uh, it does seem like we are getting a new Knights of the Old Republic game, and it's not going to be by EA, of course, but it's also not being done by Bioware. Thank uh, God. Yeah, and I'm not the biggest fan of Bioware RPGs in the first place, but I'm curious on your take. I'm so happy it's not them, mostly because their track record has been ass the last five years. I mean, I don't... I want somebody who's going to give the game what it deserves and not someone who's going to f- try to make it a cash cow, which I feel like Bioware would do since they're under the EA banner. I, I'm i really happy. I'm just – I want a new KOTOR game. Uh, in that IGN article I linked, they were – there's not a lot that's been released about it. It's a lot of not necessarily speculation but like, oh, yeah, you know, insiders are going are basically hinting that it's happening. Um, it's not up for, I don't think, 
I think from that article, it doesn't say that it's obvious who is making it, but it's doesn't sound like it's one of the super well-known studios, which is interesting because um, I'm kind of okay with a smaller studio just being allowed to kind of play with it and do what they want. Um, but one thing they also say is that what there's a lot of different theories of what they could do with it. Are they going to just kind of combine the first two into a new game that better fits Star Wars canon and that would be canon, which I'd be kind of down for. Like if they could take the story from Knights of the Old Republic and the Sith Lords, which is Kotor, I think it's the Sith Lords, just the subtitle of the second one, and kind of put that into one game, streamline it, and give you the just story of Revan, make, make it more what the MMO is and just like Knights of the Old Republic is just the story of Revan and we get what he did and some of the after effects of it leading to uh, Nihilus uh, what's the other one's name I can't remember what the other Treya and the third in the triumvirate I'm going really into some <laughs> Star Wars lore here but like if you could if they could mesh that oh bro I'm about that but then also if they just want to do a game in what we would have normally called the Knights of the Old Republic era, but modernize it to like take everything from that, but call it something new to make it canon with elements and characters from it, but like make it its own new thing. I'm also okay with that. I'm very interested to get more information about this game, which I have no idea when that would be since they're only reporting that it's in the works. So in gaming news, timelines like they could have started in 2021 like they could have just started and some of it's leaked that oh yeah we're in super pre-production of a new knights of the old republic game but uh i'm i wow i went really really into that i didn't think i was gonna get that excited but uh yeah i'm really excited <laughs> to see and hear more about it so let me ask you this if this was like obviously bioware's not been on the top of their game the last few years but if we ignored Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda, like if we're talking just post Mass Effect 3 Bioware, would you have been happy if they were working on this game? Um, I would be like, okay, yeah, I'm, yes, I would have actually, I would have been pretty excited because it would have probably, I would have been like, oh, it'll be just like Star Wars Dragon Age Inquisition, which Dragon Age Inquisition went much went back to what Origins was and what Knights of the Old Republic was of more of a turn-based, a modernized turn-based, turn-based attacker. I don't know how you describe those old, like, you initiate the attack and it's just auto-attacking and then you push, you know, a, a button that does an ability, kind of like MMOs. Um, I, that's what I thought it would be at that time. Um, post- Andromeda and Anthem, I have no idea what I would have thought the game would have been, but I'm all for some fresh eyes on a long dead gaming franchise more than anything, which I think is, I think that more than anything is why I like that it's not Bioware is because unless it was, unless I just didn't know the reasoning being like maybe it was license issues, why they never made another one, it doesn't really make sense why they haven't made another kotor game when that series is massively popular i guess they made the mmo but people i mean mmos only appeal to so many people most people would much rather have a 
linear story based game. But yeah, I'm yeah. certainly one of those people. Yeah, like I I've tried playing the MMO, but I just can't do MMOs. It's not my it's not my thing. But yeah, that's interesting for, to frame it on. Would I have been okay with Bioware earlier? I, 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 yeah, I would have if it was post like Inquisition. But now I'm, I just couldn't trust it. Yeah, it's really sad to say. Which is why I'm like, oh, you're gonna make another Mass Effect game? Cool. Good luck. <laughs> I'll probably play it, but well, I I say that I will wait to see reviews, and if it's good, I'll definitely play it. But I ain't playing buying that before it comes out you know there's there's no yeah. way and generally that's being a smart consumer anyway it, it sucks that you have to be jaded at a company to get to that point well you know it also doesn't help that i thought the one company i could buy a pre pre-buy a game for uh burned me with cd project red and cyberpunk so i now i i i had said before i'm not pre-buying games and now i i think i finally mean it because <laughs> if cyberpunk can burn me like that like from a developer that i thought would never do that i don't know how i could trust anyone to put out a to like have total trust in any company that there won't be any major issues with it i just yeah i don't know i don't know if i could do that i i still feel that with nintendo but they have a much longer track record to back it up true I mean, like, some of their games might not resonate with me in particular, but I can at least be comfortable knowing that their game is never going to be broken. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yes. going gonna, gonna to get a game when I buy their game. I say that's more uh, more credit to the Japanese culture than anything. <laughs> uh, but going back to Star Wars, I do think that this, uh, you know, assuming it does come to pass that it's not a super big dev working on Knights of the Old Republic, or even if it's someone that hasn't worked on a Star Wars game before, I think that's a really good direction to go. Because, uh, you know, it, it's kind of it's two sides of the coin, right? One person could say that now that Disney has gotten a hold of Star Wars, they're milking it for all it's worth. But that's that's like that's the cynical. You've seen the new trilogy of Star Wars movies. Uh, Disney's just making it because it's Star Wars and they don't care if it's good or You've seen Clone Wars and Rebels and The Mandalorian, and you know that Star Wars can still be really, really good, especially when it's not telling a main series title. And on, and in that regard, it's like, yeah, Disney sees the potential in this franchise, and they're letting it breathe and grow. And I, I like to believe that that's the direction we're going, where Star Wars is old enough and hasn't had enough side content then now that I know it can be really good and I enjoy this world and the level that I do, I think it's time to blow it up. Let it expand outside of the books. Don't let it be a small niche that people don't even hear about. Do games. Let let several companies make Star Wars games of several different genres and different areas of the galaxy. Do shows. Do movies. Star Wars is a fucking franchise now. And as long as they're not all going to be rise of the skywalker we know it can be good and i want to see more of it i want star wars to be a world that exists outside of numbered sequels you know yeah almost like take it back to the mid-2000s games but don't have them be directly related to movies like all of those games basically were you know you had rogue squadron which is that what it was yeah 
yeah, Rogue, Rogue Squadron, which was basically, you know, a, a spinoff from the original trilogy dogfighting game. You had Bounty Hunter, which is origin story of Jango Fett. You had Battlefront, which is just, hey, you know all the battles in the movies? Let's play them. To make it, but like, do games like those, but do it to where they aren't directly tied into a movie. It's just its own thing. Yeah, I I want, I'm all, I'm right there with you. That's very promising and... Because I know they can do it good, and I just want them to keep doing it good. Yeah. (laughs) Which, uh, and I guess that's also as good a transition as any to talk about Disney Plus, where uh, Disney Plus, with their originals, is knocking it out of the fucking park. Especially, like, Mandalorian is single-handedly still driving hype for the Star Wars series. Oh, Uh, like, by far. It, like, normal Star Wars fans, casual, everyday Star Wars fans, they probably don't give a shit about the quality of Rise of the Skywalker. It's like, oh, it's Star Wars, there's lightsabers, I liked it. That's totally fine. But Mandalorian, again, in my opinion, I said before, is the best single piece of Star Wars content that has ever existed for the franchise. Mandalorian is just the best, hands down. There's not a question in my mind. Season 1 I, and 2 of yeah. Mando is the best Star Wars has ever been. That's bold. Um, I because I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just think f- four and five compete from what like those did sure. for a generation, like from a cultural impact. But from just a sheer how good is what's been put out, I I think I would agree with you. Like it just, it, I I don't even really know have words to explain how good it is it's just like you see it and you go wow this just works and is really freaking good and it's kind of strange to see franchises that started as movies that you feel like can only exist as movies and then make the pivot to tv so smoothly and i think that's only like it it's even more so when you're looking at a show like wandavision I was going to say, are you going to make this hot transition from that? <laughs> and you did. God, I I love WandaVision so much. After only three episodes, I can't believe how much I am enjoying WandaVision and how well it is working outside of the movie format for the MCU. See, that's interesting because this is going to probably be one of the first things where we kind of have a decent difference in opinion on. I don't dislike it. But I'm still – I haven't watched the third episode yet, and maybe watching that will be the click for me. But I, I don't dislike it, but I'm just like, yeah, it's good. But that's that's about where I'm at right now, two yeah. episodes. And, and I honestly, I can understand why you feel that way. Like I might not agree because obviously I very like it, but I, I, I get it. I get where it can be kind of awkward and my, not why it might not totally resonate with other people. I guess we're saying I can't stand watching cringe – <laughs> whether it's intentional comedic cringe and that second episode there's a lot of cringe it's not even like e cringe i'm just like this is just kind of like i just don't like watching this kind of cringe like it wasn't true cringe of like oh that makes me feel weird it's like can can this just stop it's like <laughs> it's like a comedian telling a bad joke and they don't understand that no one's getting it and then it just they keep going with it and you're like okay what's next yeah. That's kind of how I felt with the whole talent show or the magic show scene. And I've actually got like an interesting connection to the aesthetic they're going for right now because uh, at the TV station I work at, there is a secondary channel on all of our networks called Antenna TV. 
And the <laughs> the only use of antenna TV is like it's the channel for old people. They play almost exclusively black and white sitcoms. You're going to see Dennis the Menace on here. You're going to see Wings. You're going to see News Radio. Mork and Mindy is on Antenna TV. I Dream of Genie. So it's all these old style sitcoms that they're pulling inspiration for WandaVision from. So like when they do their intro card, which is a different intro for every episode, which I love, by the way, I can see the aesthetics of these intros and I can say, oh, they're pulling this directly from I Dream of Genie. I can tell there's a lot of love in rebuilding the American sitcom aesthetic episode to episode, especially like when you see that they're purposefully doing bad effects for Wanda's levitation. <laughs> yeah, or when that's... she creates something or Vision goes into his human form. It's uh, It's charming. It's absolutely charming for me. Oh, yes. From a technical standpoint of the homage they're doing to old american television i i think that's really cool oh and actually even when when they're doing purposefully bad acting as well i love that there's there's been a good amount of that um i don't know i'm just in the i was when i went into the show i was like i wonder how much they're gonna stick to it being a tv show like like they're in a tv show bit and so far through two episodes they're really going into it um now i think it was at the end of episode two where we get our first glimpse of uh this ain't gonna last the whole season um and then going into three we see that with the thing that happens i won't spoil anything and and a more Um, significant thing in that regard happens at the end of episode three as well i think okay you'll be very interested to see and so like i'm i'm most interested in figuring out the greater context of the world that wanda is in since it's very obvious this is from two episodes it's very obvious this is her world um i don't know more than that yet um i'm really interested to know more about that it's just the I don't give a f- and, and like I respect what they're doing with the homage to old TV, but it, boy, I don't give a shit. <laughs> From a straight content perspective, I'm like, yeah, I would never watch any of that. We've come so far. Keep I, I yeah, that's great. I I respect and think it's cool that you can do an homage to it in such a good way because it's done so well. But it's seeing it going, man. If this is all I had on TV. Oh, help me. <laughs> I Don't take me back to that. Please, God. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and I think uh, it's it's got to not just be a way to harken back to the aesthetic, but I like that these episodes are only about 22 minutes long because I feel like no plot line really overstays its welcome. Because uh, Mando kind of played it fast and loose with any kind of time format. One division is a little bit more strict. Every episode is about the same length. Uh, and by the time I'm getting kind of tired of what's going on, they're wrapping it up. Uh, yes, I, I, I would agree with that. That helped me with episode two. Yeah. And so I, I definitely agree that when they're not doing anything larger and they're just playing into the sitcom bit, I totally get where that doesn't work for somebody else. It just happens to be really working for me. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah, I had a point and it just escaped me. So, 
we'll we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think they're they're rolling with the idea that every episode is supposed to be a different decade, essentially. Because uh, 1 and 2 have very similar aesthetics, but I think the change in the intro is supposed to signal a change in the era. There's very minor changes. So I think first episode starts 50s, second episode is supposed to be 60s, by episode 3 we're in the 70s, and I think we're going to progress from there. Because WandaVision's not going to be that many episodes anyway. Yeah, oh, I th- okay, I, I remembered what I was going to, my my thing with the time of the episodes. Oh, okay. Um. I, that de- yeah, it being shorter definitely keeps it concise. To okay, I'm oh fuck, I'm just gonna basically say everything that you just said. So, <laughs> uh, but just like it, knowing that it's a bit and how oh this is what TV shows used to be. It was almost like watching Saturday morning cartoons in a way yeah. of like the bit was only like eight minutes, and then there were two halves of a thirty minute episode of like two eight-minute bits, basically. It was all it really boiled down to. Maybe they were 10 minutes. And so it's really cool that they're doing that, taking that perspective, because, yeah, it helps get through, like, the magic show bit. I'm like, it wasn't for me. The first half of the episode I didn't think was that bad. I liked And then the magic show just kept going. I'm like, yeah, this is like <laughs> one of those episodes of Fairly Odd Parents where I was just like, we just got to muscle through this because the second half episode's the one that I like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I'm hoping to stay on top of this one because I'm I'm very much enjoying it. I will probably stick with it better than I did Mandalorian. And uh, if the other Marvel TV shows are going to be this good for me, then God, I, I can't wait. D- Disney Plus has been uh, a worthy endeavor to say the least. And, uh, you know, hopefully even after that, we'll get some other originals outside of their established franchises, too. Because I, I, would, I would like to see what they could flex with truly original Disney Plus concepts. But they got to they gotta get people in the seats, so to speak, before they can start going for that kind of thing. Like a, are you saying like a Netflix truly original content kind of thing? Yeah. Okay, okay. I, see, I don't think they'll ever do that. You don't think so? Well, no, I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't say ever. I... I don't think there'll be a lot of that if they get to it, but yeah. well, I think they've already done knows? some, but they're equivalent of like Disney Channel original movies. So like, who cares? Yeah, I mean, if it if it's that, yeah, they'll do that. But I think it'll most most of the content will be from their major franchises. Yeah, but I could be wrong. Who knows? And then just as a quick hit, because I don't know if I've got much to say on this, but like CBS is trying to launch their own streaming service now called Paramount Plus. Which yeah. <laughs> kind of feels like a shameless rip off of Disney Plus, because Disney's the only other one that really does the plus thing. But sure, why not? Everyone get in, water down the space, pull the office from Netflix. I don't care. Yeah, the only interest I have in that is, aren't they? Don't they own Nickelodeon? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. And and that's the only thing I would, I think, I'd really care that much about. But if it doesn't go like the Peacock route. I'm not gonna. I'm probably not. I, I'm not gonna buy it. Well, I'm, like, I'm not you, paying for another. What do you mean by the Peacock route? Like Peacock's free. Oh, okay. like it. Like it is. Entry level is free, and then you can pay to kind of like Hulu in a way, or you can pay to not have ads. Okay. It, or it'd be more like the Crunchyroll model, where you can watch anything on there, but if you want it. And the way you consume any other online media, you can pay, I don't know how much it is, but pay X amount. And it's just, here's the content, no commercials. And I feel like with Paramount Plus, it 
the way the market is now just completely oversaturated, if you're entering the market, I think you have to at least start with that model if you're not a Disney because Disney has such a content backload where people go, oh, okay, yeah, I'll pay for access to all this stuff. Where some of these these major networks, I just don't think they'd have the pull to go, yeah, if Paramount Plus is launching $6 a month, like even if it's 6 bucks. I don't know how many people are going out of their way to pay for that. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up the, the content backlog because that, that, that's a drum that I want to keep beating and make people aware of is like companies like Disney and Warner Brothers and now Paramount. They, they all have owned major children's television networks. Disney had Disney Channel, of course, as well as spinoffs like Toon Disney. Uh, Warner Brothers had Cartoon Network and now Paramount has Nickelodeon. All those those networks have incredibly vast vaults of content that I do not understand why that entire vault is not available on their streaming service. Because historically, children's television like that doesn't get major DVD releases. And if they do, they seem to be like they're not collections. They're like, here's this DVD of five episodes you could put on for your kid. And these are the only five episodes of Ed and Nettie they're ever going to know because this is what we're going to decide to sell to you. But if you're just running a streaming service, they're not downloading anything. You're not giving them the content. And you're also not going to sell that content anyway because who's producing DVDs of Ed and Nettie in 2021 just put it all up on the service like disney's got a good amount of their toon disney stuff on disney plus but i know it's not all of it they've got the hits they've got kim possible they've got uh, i think american dragon is on there i hope american dragon is on there but i know they're missing shit like fillmore or the weekenders maybe there's good stuff and paramount uh like obviously they're gonna put spongebob on there right like they gotta they're gonna put yeah. spongebob they're gonna put fairly odd parents they're gonna have danny phantom but give me the weird shit i want to see mr meaty on there do you remember mr meaty that show is so bad i want to <laughs> see mr meaty god damn it it's so funny <laughs> all that put all that up on there i'd and watch old all that and it should uh, have drake and amanda josh show. the amanda show fuck yeah and HBO Max should have Ed and Eddie and Johnny Bravo and Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. All that Cartoon Network shit gotta go on there. That's how See, you sell your service. Yeah, and I was just about to say that the, the HBO Max is sleeping on that because I, I mean, I think we get it through our internet plan. But like, if they had the entire the entire Cartoon Network backlog on there. I'd probably buy. I'd probably be subscribed to it right now. If if Paramount puts the like you're saying the entire Nickelodeon backlog on there, I'd pay for it. Th th those are the kind of moves you would have to do to get a person who already has way too many subscriptions to streaming services to go out and get yet another one. Because there's content on there that I would love to just put on in the background when I'm doing stuff. Something you know, like I've seen the all the episodes already. I don't need to like sit down and watch like an episode of The Mandalorian. No, I just need it in the background while I'm playing Minecraft. And then I occasionally look over and I see Jimmy Neutron having a brain blast. Like <laughs> that's that's all I want. And the fact that they aren't better marketing towards millennials who are the primary people interested in Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon shows, then what, what the hell are you doing? And let, let me hit you with this, all right? Growing up, uh, you know what my mom wanted me to watch? It was Disney 
and Gilligan's Island. Because my mom grew up in an era of television that if it was expressly directed to children, it was something educational. It was Sesame Street, maybe the Muppets, or like, you know, your very little developmental television stuff. Uh, you know, you had your occasional hits like G.I. Joe or, uh, or He-Man that has not aged very well. We, millennials, on the other hand, we grew up in a golden age of children's entertainment where if you were lucky enough to have a cable box, you had, uh, primarily for me, it was access to Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, where the kids' shows didn't just shut off after two hours on a Saturday morning or after three hours of Nick Jr. on a literally any other morning, where all day <laughs> you could come home from school, Johnny Bravo would be waiting for you, Powerpuff Girls after that, then you know that you could switch over at 6 o'clock to SpongeBob, maybe you hop over to, to, to Toon Disney to watch some American Dragon Jake Long. We are a generation built on media consumption that was geared specifically towards us. And until this time, Disney has had the market cornered on nostalgia because they've always been putting out cartoons. That's not just for kids, but the whole family. So you got people that are growing up obsessed with Disney that want their kids to also see Disney because it's good content. Meanwhile, now we are a generation having children that grew up on media that we want our kids to see because we had so much of it that is still very good. You're not selling DVDs of Ed and Nettie, so just let me stream Ed and Nettie so I can show my kids. Fucking preach. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, I didn't think we were going to go this in on this. We were like, when we were getting ready to record, we were like, oh yeah, we'll talk about the Paramount Plus thing for a little bit. Like, And now we're just going all in on streaming. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't know if they've got, like, a content distribution thing that's an issue, if they've got, like, exclusive network rights. And I know I, I keep saying Ed and Nettie because I fucking love Ed and Nettie, but who's playing Ed and Nettie anymore? You're not using it. So use it, please. The only thing I could think of is, like, how there's certain anime that, like, the owner of the rights has made it impossible for anyone to get the streaming rights of it now. And But I'm like, there's no way... Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon have these kinds of issues because the, the companies have been that that company. It's not like in, like with some of the the anime ones. It's like the the rights go up, the streaming rights would have gone up, and then Sentai Filmworks buys it, or you know Katakawa buys it, but they don't want to sell the rights then to anyone. Like I don't think that's if that's the thing for American shows. Why aren't we hearing about this? Who do I gotta call and go? Hey, stop being a dick. Let me watch Ed and Eddie. Where's my Jimmy Neutron? I just want to watch Jimmy Neutron again because that <laughs> that show. I would watch that again and be like, "Bro, this show's ass. Holy crap!" But I I would oh still God. love it, it from a nostalgia feeling. If Jimmy Neutron was available to stream somewhere, and and it might be, I don't know. I haven't gone looking for it, but man, that show is already a meme machine. Could you imagine <laughs> if people could Weezer get a hold of in it now? The year twenty twenty one. Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god. Also, it looks awful. I, I keep... Oh, yeah, no, it, like, it has not aged well whatsoever. <laughs> it looks like Play-Doh, man, and <laughs> I, I want it so bad. My audio levels are going bananas. And <laughs> oh, nostalgic TV, that's our that's our weak spot. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so we, we got to move on from that. Uh, tell me about Princess Connect Redive and why you're playing it. 
Uh, well, one, I'm an addict, so that's that's the main reason. Uh, I needed another gotcha game. So for anyone who doesn't know about gotcha games, let me give you a quick rundown. It's basically... Oh, fuck. I don't know. I don't know how to give a f- intro on gotcha games. It's a mobile game where you collect characters. Uh, you do what they're, they're called pulls, where you get enough currency in the game to pull usually 10 characters they can be duplicates or new depending on which game there's a different way to level them up uh there's a story associated with all of them there's pvp where you build a team fight another team uh that's that's a gotcha game in a nutshell um there's what, some... what, do you, what do you do with these characters uh you look at the pngs okay so okay well what what's what's the game then um the story usually so some of them have very interesting stories. So here, here I'll, I'll flip it on you. Uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes is a gotcha game. Okay. It's just not called that because it's in the West, where all you do in it is collect characters. They're basically just virtual character collectors is essentially all they are. So like in Galaxy of Heroes, which is a easier one because it's a IP that everyone knows, um, you know... The game's been out for like I think almost five years now. It's been out for a while, um, but like when the new movie, the new trilogy came out, they re- released new characters related to seven, eight, and nine, um, and you get these characters and then you level them up to use them. Since uh, early on, like you'd have synergies, like you could have a whole team of Jawas, and all the Jawas would have synergy when you did PvP and fight someone else's team. Um, and you're just trying to get rank high to get more rewards to level them up. Uh, essentially, most of them have some in-game content with that are like raids, where it'd be a one strong enemy where you can throw a bunch of teams at it and do it. So, I mean, there it's there is no like in-game to them. They they continuously go. It's just you're constantly trying. It's a time waster more than anything. But yeah, Princess Connect Redive's out now. Uh, <laughs> And it is, it's one of the bigger gacha games over in Japan, and I'm all about it, mostly because I saw the anime and was like, I'd play that game. Um, a lot of cute girls doing cute things, you know, that's, it, you're a degenerate's wet dream. <laughs> that was a really poor choice of words to say out loud. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> but um, I, I just enjoy the character collecting and building up, and it's a great way to waste time. Like, that's why I'm into them. Okay, but it is it's it's an entirely original cast of characters. It's not based on anything else, right? Yep, most of them some so like I play the Don Machi one, which it's all characters from the light novel series, the anime like that. Uh Princess Connect I believe was originally just a game, so all the characters are just characters that they came up with to add to it, kind of like a new legend in League of Legends. Or uh, a new Overwatch character, or a new Apex character, like that. Like they just came up with a character design for it, um, and so, yeah, it's get it, it. The thing, it's in, it's interesting because I think we were talking about it in the latest Trash Taste podcast. They were talking a lot about the 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 monetization of them. You can waste a shitload of money playing these games just for PNGs. Um, I don't condone. I don't really like. I don't myself rarely spend money on them um, because one, the uh, the ratio is awful 
like you're not getting any like you have to pay like 20 bucks basically to get a poll and you're not guaranteed a good character when you do that so it's just kind of like holy shit why why are you spending all this money but um so from that standpoint that like i don't really understand how they make so much money because it's just a bunch of people that are like spending money to collect the images of people and then be a little better in the game i guess but like it's weird the the whole atmosphere or scene around gotcha games is definitely different than what most western games are but then again i don't play a lot of mobile games other than these types of ones so i don't know what other games on the mobile market in the u.s there are that would be an equivalent since i feel like one of the biggest mobile games here is Fortnite for crying out loud yeah meanwhile i'm over here playing mini metro <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it's fun um i kind of hit a wall real early in this one which is <laughs> concerning um but we'll see i've put a good amount of time in it already which is kind of sad but i'll probably keep playing it for a while don't know if i'll enjoy it more than the don machi one uh a good point also stealing from the trash taste podcast is with most of them you kind of just hit a point once you get through the story where um there's not a whole lot to do it's just whatever new events will come um but you can usually just mow through those like really fast and then it's kind of just you make got you make what you make of it and you're just kind of grinding to prepare for the next event so you can get as many poles as you want and it's just a vicious cycle that never ends <laughs> all right well i think i think that's about all there is to say on that I can't yeah. say I, I've come out with any more of an understanding than I went in. I was surprised you even transitioned to me to the gotcha games this week. I thought we would wait on that, but you know, there it goes. <laughs> I, I did a really bad job of explaining it. You're welcome. <laughs> well, as we're wrapping up the episode, uh, I just want to say uh, current anime season, real good. Uh, yes. I, I'm consistently keeping up with Cells at Work Black despite having not seen or care to watch the original Cells at Work. And while something like Attack on Titan is out, uh, Cells at Work Black is very, very good. And I'm enjoying Love it a that lot. OP. That Hell OP yeah. bops. It, Both it, of it, the OPs are good. It is a surprising bop for sure. Yeah. I I think next week I, I want to kind of give a honorable mentions of some standouts amongst a very good overall season. It'll probably be of some of the more non- known sequels um but i'll definitely do that next week because there, there's the tease i could do it right now but i won't you'll have to wait till next week no, <laughs> we'll, we'll go like you know, 20 minutes on that shit no i would just say oh that's this this and this uh, and i could have just said the titles right there but i didn't again the tease the you tease. gotta wait till next week uh okay well yeah so uh so the work black check it out very good uh, as we are closing down the episode here, you also had some Mr. Beast Burger, right? Yeah, we finally got a chance to try it because the first time we tried, um, they only delivered for like 45 minutes. <laughs> we were uh, like, what? I'm kind of surprised it's still open. I, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't completely shut down yet. Yeah, I don't know enough about what all the agreement is with it. Um, I will say the... It is the most like oddly nostalgic feeling food I've huh. had. So like, have you ever? Did you ever go to like a little league baseball park and get a hamburger? No. Or do you remember how our cheeseburgers tasted in high school? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the meat tastes like that, and huh. at first you might be like, well, that's fucking gross. Yeah. But it's oddly nostalgic <laughs> to taste it again that I was like, I mean, it's not bad. Okay, no, I, I feel I, that. I was, I was like... This isn't great, but it's not bad. Would I have it again? I don't know. Maybe, but <laughs> it was kind of cool. And then the the fucking the the chicken chicken strip burger or ch- chicken burger. It's like two chicken strips on it, chicken tenders. I'm like, bro, this is the shit you get from like any sporting event. Like it's just too. <laughs> but the chicken was so much better quality. But it was like the same breading, and I was like, this is so weird. It was so weird. Like, it would be so easy just to buy up that shitty frozen product, call it a Mr. Beast burger, and send it out. But you're saying it it's actually like decent quality food too? Yeah, that's what's so weird is because I'm like, that's literally what this is though. But somehow the way it was prepared is makes it like, – it's like the good version of that shitty stuff. Huh. As we're – like normally if I went to a uh, a basketball game and got you know chicken fingers – they're going to be super dry and crap because they're just sitting in that hot box. But it being done in a restaurant setting was actually pretty good. So okay. that more it's more of a I'm calling out sporting venues for having <laughs> shit food than anything. Because if Mr. Beast can get it right, then you have no excuse. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's actually a, there's a very interesting uh, food theory video on Mr. Beast Burger that kind of breaks down how those restaurants operate and what's going on behind the scenes there. Ooh, I need to I need to watch that because uh, I'm very interested. It's about how they use ghost kitchens at other restaurants, which supposedly is a specific deal with Buca de Beppo's as well. Yeah, I know. I think it's the whoever owns that chain. I I think, but I because I tried to look into it some, but I would definitely check out that video then to get a little more info yeah. but yeah and, i would uh, i would recommend you try it it was definitely i mean you're not gonna get it and be like this is gross <laughs> like it was it was good nice was was it worth the money i think so i don't think it was that expensive which is like it's well you had to get it delivered through doordash so yeah so you have to pay the the delivery fee but the food itself I don't believe it was very expensive. Jackson okay. bought it, so I don't know exactly what I owe him for it. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was. I was not disappointed. Where with some of that stuff, you could get and you'd be like, "Oh God, ooh. I didn't feel awful after eating it either, like I do with most fast food. So that's a plus. Nice. Granted, they have some big ass buns that were filling as hell, and so I could I got the burger a burger and a chicken sandwich and i could barely eat the chicken sandwich because that bread just exploded in my stomach oof but it was still good okay well all right i think on that note we're going to close it up for the week uh thank you for listening follow us on twitter at obsession underscore pod uh check out hayden's twitch channel at uh, g-o-zero-s-e-r and you can find me on twitch at sonicals uh, we're going to try to do some streaming. Yeah, hey, play thanks Resident for Evil. spelling mine out. <laughs> well, I can't. If I say Gooster, then i got to find it. True. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, leave a rating if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to get a spread out. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.